Ben, buddy, week two of self-isolation. Where are you right now? What's happening? Please paint a picture. Well, I'm in the uh, in the home studio right now. Um, <laughs> a little a little more sophisticated than last week. We've got some some gear here in place that was uh, safely delivered uh, by our producer Amal Delich. So that's good. But yeah, I've been out on those walks that we were talking about last week. That was a good recommendation by you. Um, been cooking a lot and trying to make lots of good food trying to eat relatively healthy but it's it's weird man i'm sure it's I'm sure it's weird for everybody listening to this i'm sure it's weird for you but it's just unlike anything i've, I've ever experienced really yeah i am also in the home studio thanks to amal delich for uh doing a little safe drop of some podcasting equipment uh at my front door which i was able to retrieve and set up with uh minimal minimal effort here uh i've made the mistake again of sitting up right in front of the fridge so as soon as you mentioned you've been cooking i remembered oh i've been cooking too and there's food in the fridge that i could eat massive quantities of right now uh so that's not good i said i was going to shift to looking outside and that's something that i need to do going forward and yes the walks are great but uh here as we record this on uh, monday march 23rd raining snowing earlier uh this is not good yeah, no, it's definitely not definitely not um not the kind of weather that makes you think about baseball. It is weird to think that under normal circumstances this would have been opening week. You know, Thursday would have been the beginning of the baseball season and obviously the dome would have been closed for that as the rain and snow continues to fall here in Toronto, but it's just bizarre. I mean, it's it's going to be a spring unlike any other. You know, clearly we don't know exactly how long it's going to last, but you know, it's it, you are going to be reminded of those things as those dates come up where the season would have started this week under ordinary circumstances. How are you getting food? How are you getting food into your home right now? Been doing some grocery delivery, um, yeah. which is which has been okay. It's I'm sure you've experienced the same as far as uh, the items that sometimes you request aren't necessarily in stock. So you have to get a little <laughs> creative. But um, well, and you're a vegetarian too. Yeah, exactly. It's even yeah, I mean, it's basically I've just realized like I have to order a lot of food because, um, you know, normally I don't necessarily it's not like I'm one of those people who eats every meal out. But I, I'm realizing now, like when you eat every meal at home, like you just go through so much stuff like I'm because every tea, every coffee, like every single thing is at home. You just like I, I find myself I'm going through a lot. Oh, for sure, man. The uh, a really unpleasant development this week has been that everyone else has discovered the grocery deliveries. So uh, of the many services out there, like it's hard to find uh, a place that's got a window like within, you know, three or four days. Uh, you know, there's there's one really popular one that a lot of people use that, uh, you know, if you order today, you can get in like two weeks. So that's created some some challenges here. Uh, and like you said, going through quite a bit here at home, I would encourage everybody out there um who's in similar situations uh to us to support local independent places if you can't so you know you mentioned coffee and we're obviously all drinking a lot of coffee right now like hey go get your coffee from a a, a local roaster you know uh, I've, I've got a little delivery that should be coming in today from a, a place nearby called uh birds and beans 
which uh, is, you know, they're not paying us any money for this, but that's somewhere, uh, a local place that you could support. On the weekend, I tip back a couple of uh, left field brewery beers. So, you know, if you're going to drink beer or wine, maybe don't go to the places that people normally go to purchase those things and, and order them from uh, a local spot and support a small business at, at this time because those places are, are really hurting. And, and a lot of places are actually offering uh, pretty good delivery rates now uh, and, and, you know, expanding their delivery zone and doing what they can to bring people what they need in terms of uh, food and alcohol, you know, and, and they'll safe drop it. Or, you know, if, if you're going to get a pizza, like don't go to a chain, you know, get a, a, a local pizza shop to, to make you your pie. And there's a lot of places that'll, you know, they'll come out and give you a curbside pickup or they'll deliver it to your door and safe drop it if you, you pay with credit cards. So I would encourage everybody to do that. I will say, I, I agree with you, Arden. I will say I tried tried very hard this weekend to support a certain local brewery with a, an order and I they were apparently overburdened because um, I wasn't able to get through so uh, it's good to see that other people have that idea and and yeah absolutely I mean you think about the you think about the the businesses of all kinds but um, yeah certainly food and beverage businesses locally based like their their businesses I'm sure uh, slowed down dramatically just as I mean you look at the whole economic consequences of this thing and we're not going to get into that necessarily because it's that would be a whole podcast in itself but economically this is shutting down so many different things and to the extent that we can help I mean that's uh, that's a good thing to keep in mind so I uh, I know I'm chipping away at a, a bunch of features here this week. Obviously, we were doing the podcast here, and uh, you and I are going to be pretty active on social media as the Blue Jays um, replay Blue Jays classics and Blue Jays rewinds. Um, tonight, Monday, March 23rd, you could watch Game 4 of the 1992 ALCS, 8 o'clock p.m. on Sportsnet, and Ben and I will be watching that along with you and tweeting and interacting if you want to get at us at Arden Zwelling or at B. Nicholson Smith on Twitter, at Shai Davidi. Another good one, I, I saw a, a threat from Jeff Blair that he was going to participate as well. So I'll be interested to, to see his thoughts at SN Jeff Blair on Twitter. So that, that's kind of what we got going on this week. What, what are you working on right now? Working on a story that should have out in a couple days on a Canadian draft prospect uh, named Owen Casey's, considered one of the top draft prospects in baseball leading up to the June draft, which of course is scheduled for June 10th to 12th. And this is a, a Canadian guy, uh, 17 or 18 years old, from Burlington, left-handed hitter, really powerful in the game against the Blue Jays uh, when the Canadian junior national team played uh, the Blue Jays. He hit one off the batter's eye against a pro pitcher. I mean, that's the kind of power that this guy has. And he would be expected to go in the top few rounds of the draft. Now, of course, we don't know when the draft is going to happen. So he doesn't know when the draft is going to happen. He doesn't know where he can train, when he can next play. Gyms are an issue because they've closed down. There's no way for him to compete formally um, and develop further as a player at this point. So the story will basically look at you know where he's at, how he's trying to stay in shape. He's basically got these 75-pound sandbags that he's hauling across a, a field um, where, where he lives uh, near Burlington. So, you know, it's kind of old school to try to stay in shape that way. Um, and you definitely feel for, for draft eligible players. I mean, this should be a dream. This is when a lot of, a lot of young players realize their dream of going pro and having that chance to take their game to the next level. He doesn't have that chance now, or at least it's in limbo. It's, it's very uncertain. So the piece will basically look at where he's at and kind of having some, some fun writing that one right now, obviously, difficult circumstances but I, I do think it's kind of an interesting situation for a young draft prospect to be in 
Well, yeah, and you think about this with the Canadian Olympic Committee obviously recently announcing that they're not going to be sending athletes to this summer's games if they go on as planned. Uh, a lot of that was because none of these athletes are training because they can't. You think about swimmers, pools are closed. Anybody who wants to go to a gym, any type of uh, you know the fitness facility is closed right now, as it should be. We shouldn't be having a, a bunch of people in close space with each other, sweating and breathing heavily and and dropping all kinds of moisture all over the place. Like this is not what needs to be happening right now. So yeah, you think about ball players right now and and how so many of them who were in major league camps or minor league camps have now had to scatter home you think about how these guys could possibly stay in shape let alone work on their skills when it comes to hitting or you know if you're a pitcher where are you going to throw who's going to catch you if if you live anywhere in you know the the northern part of the continent and obviously canada or the united states as well it's still cold you can't just you know necessarily go out to a, a park or something and you know have somebody that you know catch you like you might need to try to find some sort of indoor facility where you can throw uh, not everybody is just is going to have those resources and able to stay in shape. Yeah, it, absolutely. I mean, it's pretty crazy. You think about our own lives and how it, it's become more difficult to stay in shape. And athletes are, are in that same boat in a lot of ways, because uh, especially for players on the rise, they don't necessarily have these private home gyms or workout facilities. They're They're kind of figuring it out. But I guess in contrast to that, you've got a guy like Jamie Romack, who's another Canadian. You wrote about him last week. And he's able to basically go and play business as usual because of the way that Korea has handled some of their response to COVID-19. And it seems like he's at the spot now in a lot of ways where a lot of these Canadian players or a lot of these North American players want to be at in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's interesting to talk to him, obviously, in the KBO. And then also I talked to Andrew Albers, who's in Japan, in the NPB and their teams are still having activities. Obviously they're not having regular season games right now. Um, they are playing exhibition games in Japan uh, behind closed doors, no fans in in the ballparks. And, and in KBO, they've been playing inter-squad games. Uh, same deal, no fans in the ballparks, but they're streaming all of these games so fans can watch them from home. It's a bit of an eerie <laughs> kind of feel seeing these, these pro ball players, uh, particularly in Korea, where a lot of them are actually wearing masks during the games. Uh, but you, you got to take every precaution you can. But because of the way those countries have responded to COVID-19 and the way that they flatten their curves, they're able to have events like these and gatherings like these. And obviously they're, they're taking precautions. Players are being tested twice a day for their, uh, for their temperatures. Uh, they're not being tested for COVID-19 every day, but they're being, you know, having their temperatures taken their you know, symptoms are being monitored. If anybody feels even a little bit under the weather, they're, they're out of there. Like they're not anywhere near. Uh, and you know, this obviously isn't to say that South Korea or Japan are out of the woods on this thing yet. I mean, we, the more we learn about this, the, the more it's really becoming clear that this isn't something that we're just going to be dealing with through March, April, and May. This is something we're going to be dealing with through 2021, maybe even beyond. But, you know, a lot of the social distancing efforts and um, really the cooperation of the public in South Korea and Japan, when they first went through their outbreaks, uh, basically two weeks prior to when we did, because they were about, you know, 10 to 14 days ahead of where we were, uh, a lot of those responses proved effective. And, and yeah, that's why guys like Jamie Romack and, and Andrew Albers are 
currently participating in baseball activities. They don't have actual games to play in that that matter, but they are able to continue working and training and, and actually facing competition, which is obviously a lot more than we're seeing in North America right now. Yeah, it's the kind of thing that North American players, I'm sure, would be longing for after a certain amount of rest, especially just as you're starting to gear up for that season, you're almost to opening day and everything gets cut short. So, I mean, it's not, as you're saying, I mean, they have these masks on, they're playing in front of empty stadiums in some cases. So it's obviously not where we want to be, but that's such a step uh, forward, assuming that they're doing it safely um, compared to where we are now. So in the course of your conversations with albers with romac did anything i mean we've talked to albers before he was on this podcast a couple years ago i think so you've certainly gotten to know him a little bit but did anything stand out from your conversation with him and and where he's at now um, as he's kind of reflecting on all this from japan yeah and if uh, i'm sure that you'll throw it into the uh, the podcast description our conversation that we had with him a couple years ago just about his life in japan and, and going over there like he was a guy who grinded through the minor leagues for for years and years and a lot of what we talked about was what the reality is like for minor league players right now who were sent home from facilities and who we all understand the the challenges that they face in terms of income a lot of minor leaguers work as uber drivers or uh you know skip the dishes couriers etc gig economy work during the off seasons in order to make ends meet and then they are counting on a paycheck that will begin to come in at the end of spring training and they don't have that this year so now they have had to go home and beyond the challenges of staying in shape and maintaining your skills we mentioned beforehand they have bills to pay and they don't have income so a lot of them have had to go back to that gig economy which obviously has been significantly pressured uh by everything that's going on right now and a lot of those jobs just aren't there for them anymore and it's been good to see mlb take some of the steps that they have um in order to give uh the allowances to players that they otherwise would have gotten uh at extended spring training but you're still only talking about like 400 dollars us per week so you know depending on where you're living depending on what your lifestyle is like uh depending on how many people you're able to cram into an apartment uh it, it might not go that far uh, so I talked to Andrew a, a lot about just that and, you know, how fortunate he obviously feels to have ended up in Japan where in he's been there for two seasons now. I believe this is his third. You know, in that time, he's made more money than he did over like a dozen in affiliated ball before that. So, you know, he's obviously very fortunate to have uh, found an opportunity overseas. But he, you know, he was saying like, yeah, look, I would have been one of those guys and I would have been one of those guys who's put in a very tough spot and would have had to make some very tough decisions. You know, I think you'll probably see at the end of this, a lot of veteran minor leaguers just retire and leave the game and not be able to, you know, continue to uh, chase their dreams because of the lack of baseball and the lack of paychecks here you know jamie romack a similar guy who got up to the big leagues a couple times um later in his career but was that like typical quad a guy right who would put up big numbers at triple a but just never really got his his opportunity i mean he would have been in in a similar boat if he hadn't gotten over to korea and obviously he's really happy to be playing over there and have those overseas opportunities right now so it's interesting to talk to some of those guys who uh you know, are very, they can very easily relate to what my leaguers are going through right now in North America. 
Yeah, and just to have the chance to play. I mean, that's something. You, I think you're right when you say that there will be players, whether it's minor league players or major league players, who just never resurface. You know, you think about, uh, you know, here's just one example, right? Russell Martin, he hadn't signed. And I think, you know, if you're a catcher with his experience level, you probably don't need to grind your way through six weeks of spring training. So maybe you decide to sign late and, and latch on to a team that needs you. But is that going to be something he wants to do now? Or Clay Buckholz, who was on the Blue Jays last year, or Edwin Jackson, who I think was in camp with the Diamondbacks. I mean, depending on how long these delays last, you know, at a certain point, teams start going to those younger guys. There's going to be careers impacted on all sorts of directions by this stoppage. Well, and even you think about, so it looks like we're going to have to postpone the draft yeah. this year, and, and maybe we get some news this week or you know in the coming weeks about how MLB, how the Players Association is going to approach all of this. But if you'd end up not having a draft this season and you have sort of this double cohort next season, um, there, that, there's going to be a massive impact there on even young players who aren't going to get their opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing that I talked about with uh, with Owen for the upcoming story. But you think about, like, even if they, I don't think they're going to totally cancel the draft, but let's say they shorten it to 20 rounds, which is a possibility that I've heard a few people within the industry float. So if they shorten it to 20 rounds, that means you have 20 rounds worth of players who otherwise would have been in pro ball, who are now, many of those players are now going to be in college. So then you have freshmen in college who are now essentially squeezed out of playing time because you have all these juniors and seniors who are getting the playing time there. So that's even if they they shorten it. I don't think, you know, knowing how efficient, you know, it's kind of a, it sounds callous to describe the draft as efficient, but viewed from the perspective of a major league front office, they get so much production for so little money. So I have a hard time imagining that major league baseball would decide to cancel the draft, but it could be, I mean, I think it will be a draft that's unlike any that we've seen before. Well, and MLB was already having very serious discussions about contracting the minor leagues and about you know cutting, sh- trimming off uh, a whole bunch of teams from affiliated balls. So we were already looking at a future before any of this started where we were going to see fewer minor league players, like fewer players who have opportunities to play pro ball. And then now you have to think about how this will accelerate that, how this will impact that. Because when you look at it and you look at what's happening in the United States right now, there is every possibility that if we're, if you and I are talking next week or two weeks from now, that the United States will have the most COVID cases across the globe. It is rising at such an exponential rate in the United States. And we all see the media reports of packed beaches and people who aren't taking social distancing seriously. Like we all see the reports coming out of New York, which is just like such a disaster right now. The containment efforts and the mitigation efforts like just really don't seem to be uh, having much effect in the United States right now. You and I talked about it last time we spoke about being in Florida when a lot of this stuff was beginning and thinking, man, like people are being really cavalier about this. Uh, you know, that you I know you and I were both hearing from you know friends and family in Canada who were talking about some of the measures that were being in place, and we're in Florida thinking no one's doing any of this stuff. Yeah. So, I, like, I just think that things are going to get so much worse in the United States over the coming weeks, where 29 of 30 MLB teams are. Like, I'm having a really hard time. I, I don't even want to talk like this, but like, I have begun to consider the possibility that we do not even have an MLB season this year. Wow, that is truly scary. Um, And yet, if you're looking at things rationally and you look at 
you know, what various um, you know projections are saying, what various scientists are saying. Everyone is saying this is really serious. Everyone is saying that you know there likely are cases that are undiagnosed um, that that we don't know about yet. So those numbers might actually be small. You know, not to go down that path. I know people have other sources where they're getting their COVID nineteen updates and they're coming to us for baseball. But you know, I think that it's clear that this is not a short term issue. This is not about to disappear in a couple weeks. And with that being said, Major League Baseball has to act in accordance with the CDC. They have to act in accordance with these other health bodies or else they're just being completely irresponsible. So that means that they have to wait this thing out to some extent. And, you know, as you're saying, if it's going to get worse, which we expect it will in in the US and, and to Canada to some extent, then there's no quick path to having baseball games and you know obviously we're hoping for quick resolution but there's no guarantee that that happens yeah so i have the world health organization's dashboard open here and these numbers are you know constantly changing we're recording this at one o'clock p.m eastern on monday march 23rd as things stand right now the united states has the third most cases across the globe with over thirty-five thousand. When I was writing about Jamie Romack in South Korea, like I was looking at the South Korean numbers really closely. South Korea was considered to be like uh, you know a major outbreak point, a, a place where they were having some real problems, where there you know was a, a ton of COVID, and they are currently one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in the world with eighty nine hundred. Uh, and they were like considered to be like really, you know, as I, as I mentioned, a, a major outbreak point. Like you look at just the in New York alone, in New York City, New York, you have 99 deaths. In all of South Korea, you have 111. Wow. So it's just the way things are going in the United States right now does not give me any reason for optimism that we're going to see baseball anytime soon. I hope I'm wrong. You know, that we all want to see baseball and we all want MLB to, to be back this season, but. Just the way things have have progressed, uh, I'm starting to really question how much of this season gets played, if it gets played at all. Yeah, it's scary. Obviously, first from a, in a human perspective, we've got a lot of American friends and people who live in the states, and it's just yeah, it's it's an awful thing. Um, so there's no question about that. And then you you start looking at the logistics side of things, and you know, hearing Mark Shapiro over the weekend when he was talking about the timeline for resuming baseball, he was making the point that in his view, after a period of time where players basically cannot train, cannot do any sort of baseball activity, they're looking at four weeks. So, you know, if it's a four week spring training, then that further delays things. And I, you know, I would think maybe you can do it in three, but at some point you're being irresponsible with players as well. So it wouldn't necessarily be a quick ramp up back to action. And say, you know, two weeks into that spring training, a player gets a fever and they send him home and they test him and they say, yep, you've got COVID. And now it's, well, okay, so now we got to test everybody in that camp and we probably have to shut that camp down. Like that's all it would take. It could be a bench coach who came down with it, you know, and his exposure to all these players, they would have to shut things down and take every precaution. Like this thing could so easily face setbacks when they start trying to ramp it back up again. And then what are you going to do? Are you going to start this season without that team, with only 29 teams? You know, the, the challenges that you could face at that point. You think about baseball. Last night, you know, it was just that typical, like, it's 2 a.m. and I'm still on YouTube for some reason. And I was watching, like, the Boston Red Sox spring training footage. And the Red Sox did some great stuff on YouTube, showing some some awesome access behind the scenes. 
uh, at their camp, and David Ortiz was in camp, and you know, you know, big poppy, like big gregarious guy, so happy to see everybody, but he is hugging everyone, <laughs> you know, these guys are getting like cheek to cheek on these hugs, and you know, he is dapping up everyone, and you know, they're guys, you see guys like putting their batting gloves in their mouths, or you know, they're spitting everywhere, like it's all, you know, sunflower seeds are flying around, like it's almost like hard to watch with the context that we have now every two seconds like no don't do that like oh god not that uh so you think about just baseball and how possible it would be for something to to spread through this game and through a team's camp you know it all it would take would be you know one fever or you know one sore throat during whoever's spring training camp when they try to start this thing back up and say they are able to try to start it back up in two or three months and that could set the whole operation back oh yeah i'm sure when we're watching these uh these old games on Sportsnet this week. I mean, you'll see the handshake lines, you'll see the high fives or the the pylon celebrations. And it really is like everything that you watch from the kind of pre-COVID world, like the amount of contact, the amount of stuff that's just lying out. And, you know, there's kind of different standards around what would be dangerous and what would be safe. Um, You know, that definitely will raise some eyebrows in a way because it is it is so different now and it has to be different and and hopefully everyone's everyone's doing their part but as recently as a few weeks ago it was very much in that world of handshake spit on the hand reach for my hair spit on the hand again lick my hand high five the whole team like it's it's a whole different world now and that will obviously take some getting used to guys would lick their bats yeah, like you know, or like, remember when Edwin Encarnacion would foul one straight back, and he would smell the barrel of the bat. Yeah, all those guys. Puig would lick his bat. Yeah, it's gonna be a different world when we come back. A hundred percent. You mentioned uh, you know the the Sportsnet replay of uh, Game Four of the nineteen ninety two ALCS, which will be tonight, Monday, March twenty third at eight pm um, on Sportsnet. Just trying to end on a somewhat cheerier note here ben so what are you looking forward to uh to watch in that game well you know i enjoy watching old baseball just for the differences in strategy for the differences in technique even um like we'll see more sinker slider type pitchers you're not going to see guys elevating at the top of the zone um we'll see more slap type hitters than we would now and fewer guys just trying to elevate it and get it into the seats with every swing um, which is which is kind of fun that's a style of baseball I like and we don't see that when we're watching baseball in 2019 or you know hopefully in 2020 it's very much an all-or-nothing game now so that's part of it I think their strategic decisions were a lot different then I mean we're gonna see Cito Gaston run with his guys like deep into the game instead of you know, taking Dwayne Ward in into the game in the fifth inning, like no way they're going to use Dwayne Ward and Tom Henke at the very end of the game. That's it. It's going to be an eight inning guy, a nine inning guy, and and you're not going to see that kind of creative managing that we've that we've come to get used to in the last five years or so. So as much as it's the right strategic decision to do the things that managers do now, I like old school baseball like that. It is kind of fun. It's a throwback to you know when I was a little kid in this case and watching the game the way it used to be managed. So I get a nostalgic kick out of out of watching baseball in that kind of form yeah it's gonna be kind of like uh 
you know, if you ever watch like an old clip of hockey, like in, you know, the late nineties, even like the early two thousands of NHL hockey, and you kind of think, Oh my God, these guys are so slow. Uh, you even look at like the, the style of play that was prevalent then and guys are being clutched and grabbed and, and held. And you know, the game is kind of a slog. Like, you know, this is going to be a, a similar experience with baseball and you just kind of realize like, Oh, not everybody coming out of the bullpen is throwing 99. Uh, you know, not every slider is like 89 miles an hour and attacking, you know, the, the back feet of hitters in, in the batter's box. Uh, the, the mistake I actually made earlier today, just thinking about watching this game tonight was I went and, and looked up the baseball reference play by play of it. And, uh, I made it, uh, two batters into Oakland's first inning when I saw a sacrifice bunt after Ricky Henderson reached on air. I thought, okay, I'm not looking at it anymore. <laughs> I'm just going to let this play out when I watch it tonight. Yeah, and Ricky Henderson of all people, right? I think he would have found another way to get to second base. Like it's yeah, very much old school managing, but it is fun to to watch that kind of thing, even if you know that, you know, you hear them describing like a right-hander coming out of the bullpen. It's like, yeah, he throws he throws really hard this guy, you know, 92, 93 coming out of the bullpen like <laughs> watch out for this flamethrower. And now that's like, okay, that's pretty much the the league average or below the league average for a starting pitcher, let alone for a quote-unquote hard-throwing reliever. So, it is fun to just see how the game has evolved. Yeah, Jerry Brown, the guy who dropped down that sacrifice bunt to move Ricky Henderson over, uh, he hit 287 in 1992 with a 366 on base percentage. But let's just take the bat out of his hands. Wow. And that was managed by Tony LaRusso, was it not? I believe so. Viewed as a tactical, strategic genius. I mean, and it's not to take anything away from Tony LaRusso. I mean, he's obviously, he, he accomplished a lot in this game and pushed it forward. But even the people at that time who were viewed as the cutting edge I mean, whether it was whether it was Larusa or anybody else, I mean, it's 25, 30 years later, it, so much has changed. So that will be on Sportsnet Monday, March 23rd at 8 p.m. Eastern. Follow Ben on Twitter at BNicholsonSmith. Myself at Arden Zwelling. We'll be tweeting along, interacting with you. If you got questions, reach out. We're looking at our mentions. We'll be responding. Uh, can be current Blue Jays questions or even just comments on what was going on in uh in 1992 uh and we're gonna have regular at the letters coming up for you uh throughout the uh the coming weeks and and for as long as we're here in our uh in our home studios uh thanks to producer amal delich for setting this up and and putting this all together ben be well my friend you as well talk soon take it easy everybody